All right, all right, all right. Good morning. We're in a series called Margin. Uh, Margin, if I can just go back a little bit, okay? Uh, Margin had a goal in mind, and the goal is uh, creating a space for bigger life. The thought about margin, the behind the scene, the thought process was we, as we entered into endemic, we wanted to create a series that helped everybody to regain back our life. Uh, and margin is one of those series that we wanted you to create a space, not just for yourself. And obviously, uh, all of us needed more breathing space uh, so that we can, not that we can clutter our life further, but we're able to have space so that we live for people around us, so that we be a bigger blessing. So creating margin, I was really helping all of us to think and to live like that, all right? Now, today we're going to deal with personal margin. Personal margin, it's about the space for your life. So it's going to talk about a bit of a schedule, your time. Uh, but I won't go into so much of the practical handles technique, though I think if I have the bandwidth of time, I'll end that portion a little bit. But I want to deal with the heart, uh, the heartbeat of why we want a personal margin. Uh, you know, I'm a student of life, uh, and I'm always intrigued and attracted by people who choose to live a bigger, a bigger life. It's amazing, every one of us have one life to live. And the best part is you cannot relive that part of your life. If you're 20 years old, you cannot go back and relive a 20-year-old life. That was that moment for you. Uh, I'm 50 plus, plus, okay? Uh, and um, I'm moving into a season of life where my days are numbered at some point. Uh, and... I put more thoughts on the kind of life that I want to live. And all of you will do at some point. Uh, so I've always been a student of life. I'm always attracted when people choose to live a certain life. Uh, so let me tell you one of the latest stories that really inspired me uh, was really the story of our worship leader from Kenzing, our Chinese service. And her name is Sophie. Uh, some of you know, some of you may not know, but uh, Sophie uh, had a miscarriage and it is her either third or second miscarriage. Uh, and uh, she, had, she's, she was pregnant and about, I think about 10 or 12 weeks into that, 10 weeks I think, and found out that there's no more heartbeat. Uh, so she had that miscarriage and a week later she was up here song leading. Uh, so when, when she decided to do that, few of us that knew about it and said, you know, Sophie, why don't you, why don't you rest? Why don't you don't have to do this? Uh, but Sophie insisted that, you know, I, I really want to do it. I really want to do it. And uh, so I, I, I then gotten in touch with Sophie. I was, and the husband is Harry. Harry actually works for Pharma, Pharma which, is the, which is the one that took in... Uh, Sinovac, if I'm not mistaken, okay, he appears in TV and all of that. Anyway, so I then got in touch with Sophie. I said, Sophie, why, why would you want to do this? What's behind the scene? What's your thought process? And then Sophie tells this to me. She says, Pastor, when I lost that baby, when I had that miscarriage, uh, the only way I know how is to run to God and be embraced by Him. And when I, when I get to song lead, I get to do that, I get, and I get to lead everybody to that spot. So I still remember about two weeks ago, and potentially you can watch the YouTube, and about two to three weeks ago, when she introduced the last worship song, where it talked about if we were to put our trust in God, and when we turn around, there's a miracle waiting for us. And she arranged to introduce that song, and I want you to know there was no dry eyes. Everybody entered into a different phase of worshiping God together. You know, something about when one's life 
go through ups and downs, but yet still be able to create the margin, the space, uh, so that we can live what I call a bigger life in us. So margin, uh, the goal is for helping us to live a better life. What is margin? Margin is a space between our load and our limit. This is how much we can handle, and this is our limit. And I used a couple of weeks ago the example of uh, if I were to come to the age, that's my limit. And all of us get a bit jittery because whenever we come to the limit of what we can handle, we get frustrated. We show our emotion. We became unstable. So creating that space so that we are able to live, first of all, a greater life for ourselves and then for the people around us. Okay, so this entire series has, uh, has four weeks in mind, but we're going to do the fifth one and I'll tell you why. Uh, we started off with relational margin, wanting all of us to create space for relationship, not create space to have more toys in life, not create space so that you can collect more cars, more whatever, you know, but create space so that you have relationship uh, with your loved ones, with the people that God has given to you. And uh, then last weekend, Pastor Posen did an outstanding job about creating financial margin uh, so that you can live and breathe better with your finance and being a blessing to people around us. Uh, today, I'm going to do personal margin, your schedule, your time, how do you reorganize your life so that, and uh, if I have time, I'll talk a little bit about the practical part, but I want to deal with the heart. Uh, next weekend, we're going to do emotional margin so that you have space to be a blessing emotionally to people. And then I decided to add the fifth one, which is the ability the margin to dream. I, I don't know how to, if someone better English can help me, it would be nice, you know, dream, a dream sure margin, okay? I don't know whatever you call it, okay? But I wanted a space because I feel that sometimes at life, we are so packed and so cluttered with so many things that we just lose the space and time to think and to dream and to imagine. Potentially, God can speak to us and through us in those moments. So I want to talk about a little bit of margin to dream now. So this has been our anchoring verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Would you read together? And God is, come on, just say that phrase one more time. And God is able, one more time. And God is able. So the beginning point of margin is whether you believe God is able or God is not. Right, uh, this entire passage, the background of it was Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, asking them to fulfill the pledge that they gave. So, if you understand 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul was bragging about the churches in Macedonia who was utter poverty, and because in the midst of the poorest of the poor, they were able to give liberally and call it the grace of giving. And Paul was connecting the Macedonian church to the church of Corinth because they are, they are a very rich church. And because of their first giving inspired the Macedonian. And God in the midst of both, he was trying to bring out in this verse that whether you are rich or whether you are poor, there is something about God is able. Okay, now would you continue to read? God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. Uh, so mathematically, if I were to put, piece it together, is uh, all grace, all grace. It says God is able to give us all grace. And then having all sufficiency in all things and all times that we will be able to abound in every good work. You know, I'm very attracted with that verse. In fact, when I think about my life, I like this verse to describe my life. I like this verse to be my portion. 
I, I want to live a life no matter whether I'm a teens, of course, I've passed that age, right? I'm a college student, I'm whatever. But I want to live a life that I can be found in every good work. Uh, God never says that you are only be able to be abound in every good work when, when it's post-pandemic. God never says that. God never says that you are only to be abound in every good work once you find your loved ones. God never says you are only abound in every good work when you earn your one million. Or, he said no. He says that if you believe that God is able, he says he's, to, he's going to give you all grace. And you know the spectrum of grace of God is big. So if you study the Bible, it all begins with the saving grace of God. The saving grace of God is the one that uh, none of us can work for it, but God us purely before His grace. And all the way to the other spectrum where Paul was going through suffering. And then he said this. He says, your grace is more than sufficient for me. It is what we call sometimes the suffering grace. It's, it's the entire spectrum of the saving grace and the suffering grace of God. And in the midst of all this, you find all the different graces. Uh, you find the healing grace. You found the, the grace to hang on. You find uh, the grace for miracle in, in the midst of all that. So God says, I can make available to you this entire spectrum of grace, which means that no matter what we are going through, there's always that space for the grace of God to at work. A couple of, about two months ago, in the midst of one of our desire is to relook at the space of young families and, and with the added pressure of society and all of that, and we felt that we wanted to journey with the young families a little bit more. Uh, so I was looking for some young families that uh, is able to live their life slightly larger than the normal young families. Okay, so I wanted to look for leaders that can choose to be able to manage their household, have the bandwidth to be a bigger blessing. Now, one of the couples that I spoke with was actually Hendrik and Jean. Uh, I know Hendrik could not be here because he, this morning he told me he tested positive COVID. And I know that this has been going around. So I just want to encourage you, be in faith, honor God. Whenever you get it, just rest. And then when you come back, then bounce back and, and be stronger than that, okay? So Hendrik and Jean was amazing because if you know their story, Hendrik and Jean lost a baby seven months old in Jean's womb when about eight years ago. And, uh, and I think we featured their story, that interview that we had a couple of years ago. Uh, one of those moving, most difficult circumstances that one has to go through, uh, because the baby was seven months old, uh, and, and then the baby has no heartbeat. Um, it was devastating. Uh, they, they had a closure, they said goodbye, continue to put their trust in God. Now they got a second baby and then the third baby. So they are a family of five and one of them is with the Lord. Uh, so I met up with Hendrik and Jean over coffee one evening. I said, Hendrik, I said, do you think uh, for this young family space that in the midst of managing two kids and, and uh, no maid and uh, with mom-in-law, you know, all of that, do you think if you were to work through your schedule, you're able to create margin and space uh, once every two weeks or once every week, you know, choose a night that you get to visit other young family? You know what? They were so, they were so on. They were so like, Pastor, let's do this. And then they got back to me, Pastor, we are able to create, you know, on this particular day, I think we are able to work it out and we're going to try this out. You know, now they are the one that ask me all the time, Pastor, who should we visit? Who else should we connect? And I'm just grateful for our people that's able to have what I call the all grace. And 
have all sufficiency, which means that you are contented to the lot that God has given to us. The word sufficiency means whatever lot that's given to you, whether it's the highest or the lowest, you are, you are appreciative and you are grateful to the things that God has given to you. Plus, in all things, whatever that you possess, at all times, no matter what you're going through. The Bible says, he says, this is what God is able to do to every one of us. When you are in all these circumstances, whether you're a married man, whether you're a single, whether you're a full-blown family, he says, if you are able to depend on the God that is able, then you will be found abound with every good work. Uh, when I thought about that, I thought about Schindler's List. Now, I know some of you who have never watched that movie, if you are potentially 30 and below, maybe 35 and below, maybe 40 and below, okay, you may have not watched this movie. Rachel, have you watched this movie? You have? You, you are only 20 and below, Rachel. I'm making you happy, okay? Anyway, uh, Schindler's List was a, little, was a movie of a businessman. He's a, what they call an industrialist who, who saved a lot of Jewish, and it was actually the Polish Jews during the Holocaust. So if you know the entire story of the Holocaust, then no matter where you are, every European country shut the door uh, for the Jews, and uh, six million people were brutally killed, you know, in, in, in Holocaust. And, and Schindler's List was one of those men who used every influence and everything that he has to save, and eventually he saved about 1,300 over Jews. So if you, watch the, if you watch the movie, True Story, at the end of the movie, you have this moving moment when he was gathered around, when, when about 1,000 Jews was gathered around, at least a couple of hundreds of them, and they thank him for what he did. I'm talking about a bow in every good word, in every circumstances. And, and then when he received that little ring to thank him, he had this moving moment where he then looked at his car and then he kept telling everybody, he says, I could have done more, I could have done more, I could have done more. And then he looked at the car, he says, if I would have just get rid of this car, 10 more souls I could have saved. And then he took out the pin that he had, the golden pin. He says, if, if I could have sold this, this at least two more souls. And he kind of apologized to the hundreds of thousands of people that he says, I could have done more. And the, the movie ended with him being hugged by all the Jews, the, the survivors, and thanking him. You know, I, I thought about if I can put a picture of someone that goes through all grace, all sufficiency, all things at all time, abound in every good work. And potentially, that was the face that you and I uh, can sort of uh, identify with. But I want to talk a bit about heart. The beginning point of personal margin is really believing that God is able. So today, I wanted you to understand this. For you to have greater margin, it's not how skillful you are. It's not how much you're able to organize your life. Well, that is part of it. But for you to want to create more personal margin, it really begins with you giving margin for God to be God. So this, the, the way to think of your personal margin is to actually allow margin for God and especially this little phrase, the God that is able. You know, God is really a God that's able. And I've, I've always lived my life uh, believing, having a lot of trust that 
God is really able. Uh, so when I was in the marketplace, I believed that God is able. And because God is able, I was able to navigate through all the difficulties of marketplace, the bribery, no sales, believing God for miracles. And then I moved to my own business, the restaurant, and able because God is able, trusting Him, and, and just every step of the way. Um, and uh, just last week, I was actually uh, going to Cyberjaya to preach. So every weekend, has always been full. So I was rushing right after the service. I didn't have a lunch, meet or whatever, and I met someone. And I was driving and going to Cyberjaya. Uh, so when I started to travel, I saw that it's going to rain. The cloud was very dark. And as I reached between Puchong and Cyberjaya, the toll, I rolled down my window and touch and go. And then, lo and behold, my window could not go up. Okay, now, if you are someone who drives car, you know there are certain brands of car where after five years, the window will never go up. And you have to use the hand, hopefully it's the hand of God, and you have to assist and push up the window and then the window can make it, okay? So I was driving my old Estima and uh, Toyota never had that problem. First time ever. So I was shocked. You know, it went down and I was trying to use the hand and it couldn't go up. So then I saw that it's dark cloud and I look at my ways, I have about another 11 to 12 kilometers. So I told God, God, you know, please help me to be on time. Uh, you know, the rain won't come, you know, all of that, right? Because I believe God is able. And, and then I was, I was gagao, gagao means, you know, so, so I, I thought to myself, if I were to press the window, go down further and then go up again, maybe it can go up, right? Just to get the motor going. So Initially, it was about one quarter left, okay? Then I pressed down, and then I tried to go up, but it doesn't go up. So now my window is almost a full window open. So I was like driving, and then, and then you know what? As, as I travel around, then I can see about 500 meters right in front of me. You know, Cyberjet is just a, it's a clear road, right? And it was pouring heavily right in front of me. So my window is fully down. So in that moment, my mind started to work plan A, plan B, plan C, okay? So I told myself, God, it's either you do a miracle, you move the driving, steering all to the other side <laughs> while the window remains open so that this side got wet, or you better move the window up. So I was praying God, and then you're going to do a miracle. And then in my mind, I said, if God doesn't do that, then I, I will, because the cyberjet meet in the mall, I maybe go and buy a shirt, and then change myself, and then I think I still can make it for the preaching segment, okay? So I was thinking through, how am I going to maneuver through this? And at about 200 meters, the, the window still could not go up. I was keep on pressing, pressing in Jesus' name, you know, cannot go up, okay? And then, and then at about 100 meters, you could not go up. You know, right before, about 30 meters, just about, you know, I, the, all the rain are starting to be on my window, and suddenly the window go up. I was just like, God is able, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, God is able, right? Now, uh, God did a miracle so that I still look acceptable when I went to Cyberjet. I was so grateful for God just intervening. Now, because I know God is able. But do you know that I am here preaching. Actually, I'm not supposed to preach this weekend. I'm supposed to be in Australia. So some of you do not know, but we applied for Australian visa on the 15th of April, and I'm supposed to fly out on the 9th of May. Uh, but for almost a month, actually right now counting, uh, my wife, my kids get Australian visa, but I still could not. Now, I know there's a long queue. Now, let me ask you a question. 
is God able to actually make my visa approved? I'm sure he can, right? I'm sure he can. You know, while they're approving visa, oops, suddenly my pop-up. And uh, of course, I don't understand the queue, lah, huh? you know, but God is able. God is able, not a problem. Now, if I were to choose between the window and visa, anytime I choose a visa, am I correct? So we prayed as a family. Almost, almost every time we get together, pray for the visa, pray for the visa, you know, visa God, you know, all those things, okay? And uh, so we did everything that we know how. We tried to call, we what? Uh, but the bottom line is we did not get it. So the resulting that we have to rework through the ticketing, we have to pay penalty, we have to sort through all that little space. And so I don't know, I don't know why did God was able the last minute, 30 meters before I hit the rain, move the window, but I was hoping on the 8th of May, I gotten the visa. But that did not happen. Now, how do you wrestle with that? You know, you don't actually wrestle with that. You know why? Or the way to wrestle with that is believe that God is able to give you all grace, all grace, at all circumstances, at all things and all times so that you abound in every good work. So I told God, because since because I couldn't go to Australia, I'm going to use the next couple of weeks while here to be even more fruitful. I, I want to be abound in every good work. I want to make more disciples. I want to think about the possibility of opening a Chiras church. I want to redo the Cyberjaya space. And I, I, I'm just in the mind. And then we had our preachers training. With that. You know, I want to make myself that verse not a concept, but literally navigate through my life. Now, I want to propose to all of you, there are things and there are seasons and there are things that we could not explain. But I believe in a God that is able. Come on, say it together. Say, God is able. My, my question to you this morning is, if you were to hold the pals in your hand, what kind of a God do you believe in? Is He able? Uh, do you lean towards that or you say, you know what, I don't know. I know God is able, but I don't think He wants to. I don't know what you are wrestling with. The whole concept of Sabbath rest in the Bible was a concept that because God is able. It is God trying to tell the nation of Israel who don't know how to live their life. You know why? Because they've been slavery for the rest of their life. Now God took them out. God says, this is the way to live. And what a good God He is. One of the first things He told the nation of Israel is, Make sure you have an off day. That's a good boss. That's a good boss, right? So God says, make sure an off day. And God wanted the people, and I'm sure they got a lot of resistance. They said, God, uh, Sabbath, I know, but if I don't pick up that fruit, it will rot. God says, then you trust me. You trust me. If I don't do that fertilizer, you trust me. If I don't, you trust me. If I, I mean, they can have a whole bunch of things to say, God, I need to. God says, you learn to trust me. And the whole principle of Sabbath is learning to trust God, learning to enjoy God, and learning to enjoy the fruits of your labor. And God was wanting the people to know, when you create your personal margin, you are trying to create that space and say that because God is able. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. So we kind of try to move our flight towards October. You know, I don't know, maybe... Maybe we'll, we'll have a greater time. Maybe we'll go longer in October. I don't know, okay? But we just trust that because all grace, all things, all sufficiency abound because God 
is able. Now, practically, I want to give you two components, okay? I like this verse, um, and if you, if you understand, this is a summary story told by the Psalmist about Israel's relationship with God. When he ends the verse, he focuses a little bit about David's leadership. And David is a man that God decided to upgrade him from shepherding flock to shepherding people. And obviously, David needed the margin to do that. So what, what helps David to head the margin from shepherding flock to people? And the Bible gave us the little insight and glimpse of what God is looking for. So let me read the last portion, okay? The last portion, the last portion said, David shepherded them with the integrity of heart and the skillfulness of hands he led them. Something about every one of us, there's these two components of our life. One is our heart. Uh, for you to create more personal margin, it's not the skillfulness of your hand. And that's where we will tend to go to. That's where we are wanting to learn from this guru, that guru, how do you schedule, how to organize your life, what to delegate, what not to delegate. You know, you have all of that, right? Uh, those are a lot of skill set that you can talk about. But the beginning point is really your heart. It's really you trust that God is able. It's whether you, you serve God, whether it's God first in your life. That's the first thing for personal margin. And then it goes to the skillfulness of hands. I, I want to give you a word, and with this, I will, I will close. The word is rhythm. Everybody say rhythm, okay? I think during the, during the pandemic, I used this word. I'm a fan of rhythm. The concept of rhythm is why would anyone, why would someone run 10 kilometers and they are not breathless because they hit a rhythm? Why would some of us run one meter and we are tired? Because it's all about rhythm. So, so in this, uh, so I want to say this word, let me get this right, okay? So I want to use this word rhythm because I'm a fan of rhythm, which means that Practically, for you to be able to create greater personal margin is to be able to create the right rhythm at the right season of your life. Now, I want to propose three thoughts for you to piece together a rhythm. And, uh, and if you are someone who really want to learn that space, you want someone to coach you, okay? I personally piece a rhythm of my life based on three principles. Number one, what's my strength? Matching my strength to the things that needed to be done at the right time, at the right place. For example, if I were to write a, a, one of my master paper, I try to do it in the morning uh, because that's when the greatest focus I can to get certain things done. You know, trying to know your strength, know who you are, know how you think, know what, what, what irritates you, what don't, okay? So, the strength is very important. Number two, know the season of your life. If you are a full-blown family compared to a single person, different season. Uh, pandemic, endemic, different season. Knowing your strength, knowing the season of your life, and finally, learning how to do schedules. So, I, when, I, when I begin to take all these three thoughts, and all these three thoughts has its own thinking, uh, for example, schedule is how you organize, learn how to put the big stone, what's priority, you know, all that. So when you learn how to do all of that, you then practically create a skillfulness of hand. So some of us, we have a great heart, but we are poor in skill. Uh, so I, I remember sharing this story, but many years ago, uh, I used to 
I, when I was working for Datacraft, I got one of my staff who eventually I led to Christ. And uh, this particular staff uh, always struggled with certain performance. So when I was working for Datacraft, it's expected that everybody needs to have a list of at least 20 companies that you're serving, 10 active, 10 not active, for you to be able to cope with and reach your quota and all of that. So but for this particular person, uh, only be able to reach about 10 and maximum 12. And I was trying to coach this particular person. So one day, I literally sat and watched how this person worked. And immediately, I found out there are a couple of different bottlenecks. Those are skills. I doesn't know how to do Excel, call customer at the wrong time, can never fix an appointment, you know. And then I needed to tweak that little practice. Immediately, once you do that, boom, you take a big step forward in the way you organize your life so that you can reach a greater fruitfulness. Uh, and I believe all of that, but those are the skills. But the beginning point is, is God able? Is He able? Now, this morning, I want to end a little bit differently. I want to create a spot. I want all of us to think and ask ourselves this question. Is God able? How many of you would say, God is able? And I want you to imagine, what if every one of us, hundreds of us, begin to think that God is able? All circumstances. So yes, when I'm going through the most difficult, you know, um, yesterday, we were having prayer meet before meet. I met up with our core, you know, it's just about 40 over of us. And we hear the story of Ashley. And some of you, you would not have met Ashley. Ashley got saved in our church about maybe two, three years ago. She's one of the song leader for our Gun Sing service. She's a bit, you know, she's short and a very bubbly, very, you know. And then she was sharing with everybody. She's a mother of three children. Everybody got a shock. You know, being a mother of three children, having her own work uh, with a husband, a husband in the midst of discovering God, she still creates space, margin, uh, to serve, recently become a life group leader, then also help to song lead. When I think about people like that, something that happens right behind their mind, and one of the things was because God is able. She shared a powerful testimony ever since she knows God. She used to be mangzang, angry. She said, now I learned to be at peace. I learned to take one thing at a time, trusting on the peace of God. The million dollar question to every one of us is, is God able? Now, why don't you stand? As we bring all this to a close, I want to create a moment I know to create a moment in your prayer, in your conversation with God, in your reaching out to God. I want you to move you from, I'm not sure. I want you to say, God is able. Now, so whatever that you are going through, I want you to take God is able and add that into the equation. I'm going to pray. Just, just generally. Uh, some of you, you might want prayer right after the service so that we can pray that little phrase, God is able into your soul. Let me pray. God, we are so grateful to you. Lord, I know that you are able. So, sometimes that little phrase get a bit of a beating in our soul. Sometimes that little phrase, instead of an exclamation mark, it became a question mark. 
sometimes we put a comma and say, yes, God is able, but... Or we, but we want to put a full stop. We want to put an exclamation mark in our soul that you are a God that is able in all circumstances, all grace, all times, all things, so that we are able to abound in every good work. So I pray in Jesus' name, no matter what, what everybody might be going through, we want to add that little phrase, God is able into our soul right now. So in Jesus' name, I want to declare, God is able. Would you say that together with me? God is able. So financial situation, relational, job, uh, questions, doubt, whatever. Lord, I pray, God is able. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen, amen.